Hello and welcome to another episode of Not Your Normal Books. My name is Callan. How are you guys doing today? If you hear any squeaking in the background, my mom's boyfriend got my dog a brand new squeaker toy that is loud as hell. Um, so she may squeak that in the background. I'll try to edit as much as that uh, much of that out as I can. Um, no guarantees though. So I am officially back. I. I I had recorded the last three episodes early. Um, I was out of town for majority of it. Um, I was in San Francisco visiting my sister, her husband, and their new baby. So my, th- oh God, he's um, my he's three weeks. He's a my three week old nephew, Asa. For some reason, couldn't remember how old he was now cutie little thing apparently according to my sister we spoiled him because he wants to be held a majority of the entire time now which here's the thing like i think so we were there for six days and i think i only held him maybe an hour out of all the time we were there because like my sister had him nursing him doing all that hi baby and then if my sister didn't have him, my mom had him. My brother-in-law, I, I am very surprised with my brother-in-law because anytime he, because I mean, he's on paternity leave from one of his jobs, but he's still working his other job. So whenever he's home from that job, like as soon as like there's a poopy diaper, as soon as Asa needs his diaper changed, my brother-in-law's all over it. And I commend my brother-in-law because a lot of the times, like you say, you see some of the dads are just like, no, I don't, if it, especially if it's like a poopy diaper, they're just like, no, I don't want to change it. Cause I've seen so many videos online of like the dad's going to change their kids diapers and it's, and it's a full one. And, um, and so they're there and they're just like gagging and they're just like, I can't do this. Um, I, I'm waiting to hear like when, when Asa has his first blowout, like I'm waiting to hear what, um, Sam, Sam is my brother-in-law, what his reaction is to this. Uh, but I, 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 we, we got to do some fun things in San Francisco. Um, we climbed what I thought was Mount Everest because holy fuck. Um, my brother, as I said before, um, my brother's gay. So no big deal with me. Absolutely love it. I cannot tell you how many times I've gone to gay bars and clubs with them. And it's been the most fun I've ever had at a club or a bar. It is fantastic. I've been harassed by a drag queen once, and that was the first time I've ever been to um, a gay club. And uh, it's, I made the mistake because I wore a really good shirt because at that point in time, I was still in my skinnier figure. Um, I was still playing sports, hadn't put on any weight at all yet. And uh and so I had this really good shirt that, unfortunately, it was plaid. I wasn't thinking about that. But it made my boobs look bigger. It made me look skinnier. And I was all for it. And because of that, this I, I cannot remember what her name was to save my life. But um, she was kind of like the, like the MC. So... 
Um, so she kind of harassed me on the stage, and I'm just like, I am not for this. My brother's drunk off his ass at this point in time and is just laughing along with everyone else, and I'm fucking humiliated. I'm, I was 18, and it was just not something I really ever wanted to go through again, but I haven't had any bad experiences since then. Um, but so we went to the Castro district in, in San Francisco. And for those of you that don't know, Castro district is a gay district of San Francisco of, of that area. And Oh my God, it was the, it was so fun going into like the different shops. I mean, we had some really good Mexican food out there, but my brother, like, I didn't drive at all in San Francisco. Driving in big cities where there's, like, six-lane highways, like, there's one day where we were at, I want to say we were at Fisherman's Wharf, and I had a really bad panic attack because I thought that my brother had given me the parking ticket because I remember putting something in my purse and I remembered later that it was just changed my mom had given me that I had, that I put in there. So I'm just like, Oh my God, give me the ticket. I forgot about it. And I'm, I'm not trying to show that I I'm having an anxiety attack right now because one, cause I know as soon as I show it, it's going to get worse. And for me, and I didn't bring any of my medication for my anxiety because I haven't had a really bad anxiety attack in, oh God, um, probably six months to a year. So it's very infrequent for me, which I'm very thankful for. And I don't, the medication that I have, I don't have to take every day because I used to, but it made me feel like I was a zombie. Like, and I literally for like, six hours, no emotions whatsoever. And it was really weird. And I didn't like that part. So obviously didn't bring any of my anxiety medication with me. I'm having a full on freak out, but I'm not bringing attention to myself that I'm having this freak out because once I do like that, make my anxiety ramp up even more. And, um, and when that starts to happen, I stutter a lot. It takes me a good minute or two to get a full sentence out. Um, I, I've actually had this at work to where one of my bosses had to take me into one of our other bosses' um, uh, office. And then I had to sit down for 45 minutes just to calm down until the point where, one, I didn't feel like I was dying. And I could actually talk without any sort of stuttering or stammering or anything else like that. And my boss, I was in there with me. He was very kind with it. He, he, I, I don't, he knew exactly what to do, which was don't say you're going to be okay. He was telling me about this series of books he was reading. He was telling me about music. He was asking me about books and music. So it was like a conversation to get us off of what was on my mind beforehand. And I can't even tell you what triggered me. It was just something and it happened so fast. And it was just a rough, rough day. Um, but anyway, back to we're in Castro. So we were looking for Castro Street because everything was on Castro Street. So my brother parks on the wrong side of this. Um, it 
it was a hill, um, but I call I call it a fucking mountain. So we had to walk a mile and a half to get there, which is fine. I'm okay with walking that mile and a half. No issues with that. But what I had an issue with was we had to climb like 600 feet in the air, then climb 600 feet back down to get to where we needed. Then we had to walk it back. And I'm just like, can we get a ride chair? Like, I know I'm out of shape. I didn't realize I was that fucking out of shape. Holy fuck. I, I, like, I felt like I needed a, 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 a flag just to put down once we reached the top being like, I had made it. Because Jesus, like, no one tells you. How fucking steep these goddamn hills are. You're like going at like a 30, 40 degree angle. That's how fucking steep these motherfucking hills are. And we, there's one time, I swear to God, I almost about shit my pants doing this. So Lombard Street is very famous there. So we went down fucking Lombard Street. So... My brother's driving. I'm in the passenger seat. My mom's in the back. Now, my mom's the shortest of us all. So, okay, it's a toss-up between her and my sister of who's the shortest. My sister likes to say she's 5'4 and 3 quarters, while my mom's just 5'4. And so, it's kind of a toss-up of who's taller. Usually, it depends for those two what shoes they're wearing for the day. Um, but we're going down Lombard. Now... In my mind, if I press my feet as hard as I can into the wheel well, I can stop this car. Now, we're only going five miles an hour down this, but you're going down at a very good angle. Hey, like Your feet are on the brakes constantly. You got people standing on the sidewalk recording you. I, I'm just like, I can stop this vehicle if I need to. I'm not driving, but I can fucking put on the goddamn brakes. That is what my thinking was at this time. No, my mom's in the pack going, are we almost to the bottom? Are we to the bottom yet? My brother is having fun and he's blaring Highway to Hell by ACDC. I'm in the passenger seat recording everything going, we're going to die. <laughs> Ah, oh man, it it was an experience. I also tried In-N-Out Burger for the first time, and I did not really believe that you could spend an hour in the um, drive-thru, but you can. We, me, my sister dropped us off, and then she parked the car, and me and my brother-in-law, we went inside, we ordered food, and apparently we ordered way too much, and uh, I think we... My sister got one burger. I got two. My brother-in-law got two, and he got fries. Now, we each all got double-doubles. No idea what a double-double is. All I know is it's delicious. We got one regular and one um, animal style for the both of us. No idea which one I fucking ate, but it was good. I couldn't eat the other one. And so we ended up taking that back um, to their apartment. But all in all, it was a good trip. Um saw some weird things, but I will save that for another episode because, yeah, there's just, there's just a lot to unpack with that weird thing that I saw. Or should I say a few weird things that I saw? So, we are going to now get into this book. 
So the book I have for you this week is Sufferless by K.B. Everly. So about K.B., she is a USA Today bestselling author from Southern Mississippi. She has a daughter, a puppy, and some possible soul-stealing cats. I feel like, okay, little sidebar here. I feel like any cat that looks somewhat evil is a soul-stealing cat because they just look at you and judge you. It's like they're judging their your soul. Okay, end sidebar. Uh, you can usually find her hiding from her daughter so she doesn't have to share her snacks. In her free time, she she can either... Ugh, sorry. In her free time, you can either find her fighting with her prosthetic leg na- named... Me- <coughs> Maleficent. I'm sorry, that is the best fucking name. Like Maleficent, but Maleficent. I probably fucked that one up. Playing herself with large amounts of coffee or candy or writing her next book. All right, so our characters in this are Alyssa or Les, because um, how they spell Alyssa is A-L-E-S-S-A. So you can take, so like a nickname could be Les. Shelly, Nash, Gray, Jude, Monty, Jenny, Sammy, Seth Riley, and Marilyn. Now, I'm going to say in the beginning of this, there is a trigger warning um, there is talk of physical and sexual assault as well as drug use in this book. So if you guys haven't read this yet and are going to, um, just a forewarning. So Alyssa is a 22-year-old woman who hasn't always had the easiest life. When she was around 14, she was in a car accident with her parents. And not only did she lose her parents in that car accident, she also lost her leg as well. Um, instead of, so she didn't go right into foster care. She had a living aunt who took her from there, but her aunt Shelly is a drug addict. Um, and she also had an older brother. Now, her older brother is in college. I want to say he was around 18, 19 when this happened. And everything, it, it seemed like it just started, like, triggering. I think they said he might have had schizophrenia. He had some sort of mental illness. I don't remember the type that they said, but after... um after the accident, he went off his medication. So he was living with his girlfriend um, at the time, and his girlfriend was pregnant with their first child. And when he went off his medication, he shot and killed his girlfriend and unborn child and then shot himself. So it's like after that entire thing happened, the entire town shunned her because of what her brother did. It didn't matter that she had just lost her parents. It didn't matter that she had just lost her leg. It didn't matter that she had just lost her brother. None of this mattered. They just thought she's going to do the same thing that he did. 
she's gonna she's gonna break and then just go on a killing spree is basically kind of what this whole fucking town was thinking. And I'm gonna guess this is a very, very small town that they're also living in. And after all of this pain and loss that they went through, her aunt started using drugs to numb that. Because she not only lost her sister, but she also lost her nephew as well. And and I can get that. I understand it. When my um, grandma Davis passed away, um, I had actually... So, in, in June, um, I will be celebrating... Um, six months being clean, or not six months, six years of being clean. And uh, for a little bit, I did derail for like, I think it was like maybe two weeks. Um, and that was because my grandma Davis had just passed, she had just lost her battle with cancer. And um, none of us were doing well. She was the first relative that we had that had had that had died and like we were all closer closer to grandma every year for Christmas she would make like she would make us things like they wouldn't really go out and buy us things but she would she would make us like she made us pillows she made us pajamas like and she made us blankets Anything you can think of, my grandma had probably made for us. So none of us were doing all that well because the thing is, um, when she passed, it was very sudden. Like we, she was doing fine. Um, she had just finished her last um, round of chemo. And, um, for what we knew, she was on the up and up, like she was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. So we knew there was a chance and they had given her three years. Luckily we were able to have her for five. Um, but literally it was, she was there and then, cause she was at home. She was at home with, my grandpa and she was there and then all of a sudden she was gone. There was literally nothing anyone could have done. And it, it was hard because none of us saw it coming. And so for a little while I did use again. Um, but then I got myself back together and got clean yet again. So... But pain and loss, it can derail you to get you to get into your vices. Now, I will say when my, so both of my grandmas had passed um, due to cancer. So when my other grandma had passed, um, oh man, it's been... Three years now, about three years now since my my grandma Harrington had passed. I didn't use for that one, but um, when I stopped using, I also stopped smoking. But when my grandma Harrington passed, because about 
a month and a half before my grandma had passed, my Boston Terrier, I had to put him down because he had a central brain tumor. So all that stacked up together, I started smoking again. And then um, I think I smoked for about a month before I quit everything yet again. So, because usually if I, like, every once in a while, if I'm, like, really drunk or if I'm hanging out with people and we're just, like, kind of socially drinking, like, yeah, I'll have a couple cigarettes. But usually I try not to smoke anymore. I try not to do, I try not to use anymore. Um, because I know that it would just be a big downward spiral. And that's kind of why I don't drink as much as I used to, because there were times where I have this rule where I don't drink during the week. That's the one thing I don't do. Um, it has been a, a rule for me for the last like five, uh, probably about five years now, um, that I don't drink during the week. And um, I used to, on the weekend, so it was Saturday nights, I would always drink at least half to a third of a bottle of vodka at night. And that was just to numb everything. And I realized I can't do this anymore. I'm slowly killing my body. I need to just stop. So I can actually tell you the last time I got, like, I'll have a cup, like, sometimes if we're, for like a holiday, I'll have like a beer, I'll have a glass of wine, um, a couple glasses of wine. But the last time I actually got drunk was back in 2019. It was for my friend's bachelorette party. We did it. It was a, her bachelorette party we had during an ugly Christmas sweater bar crawl. So that was the last time I got drunk. After, other than that, like, I have maybe one beer every like three months. I, I rarely drink anymore. Um, sometimes when I'm recording, I'll have, I'll have, uh, like a whiskey sour next to me and half the time I don't even drink all of it. So back to the book now that I've given you some sad life stories of mine. Les, so what Les wants to do is she wants to get out of the town, out of this town. Like she's been here for the last eight years after the accident, after her brother had, had, um, murdered and killed himself, murdered his girlfriend, killed himself. And so she's just like over this town judging her because that's all that they do because they, they either they either judge and shun her because of what her brother did or they pity her because she's got a prosthetic look. Um, so she, she's trying to save up as much money as he can, as she can. But here's the thing. Her aunt Shelly constantly steals her money to buy more drugs for her. And it, it's shitty. And, she she has all these different hiding spots that she puts the money, but unfortunately, um, Shelly keeps on finding them. So Les is working two jobs. One of them is at the city strip club, and the owner, even though she has told the owner that her name is Alyssa, the owner calls her Elizabeth. 
And she also works at a diner that's owned by this lovely married couple that treat her like a friend and also a daughter. And their names are Andy and Sadie. So she she loves working there. It's not a... I don't know if it's as much um, as she makes at the strip club, but... I mean, it's a little, it's, it's not as, like, she doesn't hate it as much as a strip club. I mean, I, I, she, I, from what I could read in this, she liked working at the diner. And she, but she knew that she couldn't just make a living on just working at the diner itself. So she had to get another job. So, and during a shift at, a at the diner, there's three men that come in. Now, they are Gray, Nash, and Jude. And one of them, I want to say it was Gray, maybe? Um, he was having issues with his motorcycle. It was some, it was some sort of engine issue. And uh, so they pull in, and um, Sadie ends up putting them in... Uh, Les's area. And so she talks to them. She goes, here's a mechanic for you. Um, he's right down the road. It might take him a couple days to fix it because Les also rides a motorcycle as well. So she's learned what she can to fix her bike from the mechanic because she can't afford to take her bike to the mechanic get fixed. So she's learned basically things that she can do herself to fix whatever the issue is. Um, they, they all like get to talking everything and it, and it, it seems like the guys are like, I'm going to use a very millennial term, vibing on her. Um, and she's just like, this is where I'll be for work tomorrow. I won't be here, but I'll be at my other job. So she's, she's having a great time. There was one small incident where her, um, her prosthetic leg did not move as fast as the rest of her body. So she ended up tripping and falling. But other than that, like, it was a great night. But it all turns to shit when she gets home. Because she finds Shelly dead from an overdose. And that's also a hard thing. To get over knowing if, like, finding out someone that you loved had passed from an overdose. Like, I've, unfortunately, I've had a friend who died from an overdose. And, you know, it, you're trying to think back to when the last time you saw them to see if there was any clues or anything. And really, I didn't see one. Um, I, none of us knew that it was that bad. And, you know, it, it gets difficult sometimes, especially when you like see pictures and you're just like, and then you don't remember and then it hits you. Cause you're at first, you're just like, Oh, I wonder what they're, and then it hits you that they're no longer with us. And it sucks. It's one of those where you just keep on thinking, if I would have seen him more, would that have changed anything?
if I would have reached out more, would that have changed anything? And it's, it's, it's something that plays in your head quite a bit. And you just never know. And that's the really shitty thing. So, um, <clears throat> so after Les calls the police and the, um, and the police get out there along with, I don't know if it was an ambulance or just a coroner's van, but, uh, the next day she's able to get to the city morgue and said she's the last of kin. She's just like, look, this is what I want to do. I just, I don't want to go through this whole long process that I had to go through with my parents. I want her to be cremated and, and for me to have the ashes. So she goes into work that night and it's, it's, I, I commend people that do this, that are able to go back into work after a loss. And because it's hard, because all you can think of is that. So she's working at the bar on this one. And, um, and while working at the bar, she's able to drink. As long as she's still able to serve people, she's able to have some drinks on on shift. So she's taking shot after shot and her night is slowly getting more shittier than how it started. So she completely forgets. And that's when the guys come in and they're trying to figure out what's wrong, but she's just like, no, because she's just like, they're going to leave and I'm still going to be stuck here. There's nothing that I can do to kind of like stop it or anything else like that. So she, she ended up like, you know, when you drink too much and then you feel like you're going to throw up right away. She has that. So she gets to the bathroom and when she's done, she comes out and there's this hand that gets put over her face and then there's a knife to her throat and, and the guy's just like, The guy's just like, make a noise and I'll cut you. And it ends up being a regular at the bar. His name's Dan. Now, Dan has always been a hitting on Les. And she keeps on brushing him off. Like, she didn't think, like, he was violent or anything else like that. Turns out, he is. So, he, he takes her outside into, like, this back alley. And he's, he's taking, he's trying to take off her pants, trying to unbutton his own. And, um, she's, she, the fight or fight, the flight or fight instincts come in and she's smacking him. He's, she's hitting him. She's yelling. She's doing everything to one, to get him away and, and to draw attention for someone to come help. And he ends up being able to drop the knife. Well, she gets a knife and she stabs him in the side. Now, I don't believe she hit any sort of vital organs. Um, so, the when 
the guys are kind of like in the bar looking for her and they hear this sound and they're just like, oh shit. So, so they go outside, they see it, they get him off and they're just like, we need to get you to a hospital. And, and so they get her there and she's, I think it's just mostly some cuts and bruising that she has. Like there's no really there's there's no broken bones, no anything like that. So, um, but they said that the Dan the guy Dan, he looked a lot worse than she did, but no one can find him. And they're just like, look, the guy the guys ask her. They're just like, you have no living relatives left here. Um, how would you feel about coming back home with us? I'd be like, we can set you up somewhere. It, it, but is there thinking, look, he could still be here. Dan could still be here somewhere. If we leave you alone, he can come back and, and try to do this all over again. And she's thinking, and she's, oh, and she's always wanted to get out of this town. And so she's just like, okay. She and, and she agrees to it. So they're going back to Mississippi. So she, the guys had, had told her before that they do this trip yearly to where they go to all these different cities around the country and they bar hop. So they just have two more stops till they go home. Because I want to say this was either like less is either in Tennessee or Kentucky one of those and I cannot remember which state to save my life right now. So the first stop that they hit is Houston, Texas, a place I've always wanted to visit. Um, I've never been to Texas. Um, I've heard very, very nice things about it, but I've actually never gone yet. Um, and their other stop is New Orleans. New Orleans, another place I want to go visit. Um, I I thought about trying to get like a girls weekend together to go. But with everyone, either with like a lot of my friends either pregnant or have kids, it's, it's very hard to try to organize anything. And they're all married, and it's just, and, and I'm just like, I'm the single one out of the group. Any hoodie who. On this trip, she learns that Nash is a firefighter, Gray is a psychologist, and Jude is a pediatrician. So there, there's one incident on this trip where Les does get a flashback, and that was when, um, a fight had broken out in the bar and it kind of startled her. So in it, in it, in it, she, it, she did get out of that, um, get out of that trigger by, I want to say, Oh, who was it? It was, Maybe it might have been Jude 
who helped her get out of this one. And I want to say Jude kissed her. And that is how she got out of her um, panic attack. Or out of her flashback. So, and, and the, but the rest of the trip's good. But she's starting to have feelings for all these guys. And some of the feelings are almost like guilt because she almost, she almost kisses Grace. She does kiss Jude and she's telling Nash that she wants to kiss him. And she, she's having like these guilty feelings because like, I'm going to fuck up your guys' friendship. And she then finds out that all the guys have feelings for her too. And they, and it takes a little bit, but they decide, look, Let's try to have a relationship together. All three of us guys were with you and you only. You would be with us three guys only. So they finally get back to the guys' hometown. And Jude tells Les that he has a three-year-old son named Sammy. And that him and his ex, Jenny, are on very good terms with each other. And that her and her new husband are expecting their first child together. Um, so what I forgot to mention so far is that um, Nash, Jude, and Gray, they are part of a motorcycle club. Now, they are not part of any one percenters. It's just a group of guys and some girls that get together and they just kind of ride around and and that's about it. Like, it's like a it, it's just a small community they don't do anything a one percenter would do um so it literally it just is a club for everyone to just hang around and talk motorcycle shop and whatever um she does meet Sammy one day, and it's so funny how she meets Sammy. So how she meets him is um, she's asleep, and she wakes up feeling eyes on her. Because you know that feeling. You're just like, someone's looking at me. So when she opens her eyes, she sees this little three-year-old blonde boy just staring at her. And he's just like, hi, and runs. <laughs> So fucking cute, though. But she, they become like best friends. Like it, it's like when you think of your boyfriend's ex, you think, "Oh God, you're gonna hate this person. Um, you're gonna try to be nice to them, but you are instinctually gonna hate this person." And the thing is, it's so hard to hate Jenny because she is so goddamn nice. And then Sammy is just the cutest little thing ever. And Sammy is so cute. Like, he, like, he tells everyone that, or he calls um, Les a transformer because of her leg. The only thing that she finds weird with Jenny is that Jenny wants to know how she and the guys are sexually. That'd be a little weird for me, too. 
And I think that would be weird for a lot of people. But Les eventually gets a job in town um, at a bar by this guy named Monty, who's this very surly guy who grunts at most people and has a very dark past, but he doesn't go into it. Some people know, but they don't talk about it. Les realizes, this, realizes that she was always loved by her birth mother and that she gave her away to protect her. And as soon as she learns this, this is when Seth comes into the bar and she he sees Les and he becomes fixated on her. So for the next few weeks, anytime she goes anywhere, Monty or the guys are always with her. So it's a few weeks and nothing had happened and she's babysitting Sammy um, because their usual babysitter, um, Jenny's usually babysitter, uh, had backed out or was sick or something. And um, so Jenny's this is very, very sweet woman, but she's the lawyer. So Les's 23rd birthday is coming up and Nash and the guys are going to throw this huge party for her. But she has to ask for, for it off. So when she asks Monty about it, he gets this very stricken look on his face but agrees and he leaves really fast. Um, so she's on her way home. She's on her bike. She's on her way home. And there's this car that's fucking tailing her. And she, and they're like literally like right on her ass. This car ends up running her off the road. And, and when it, when it, I think right before that happens, she looks back, she sees the hood of the car and it's got this big, huge devil face on the hood. And that car belongs to the MC Devil's Descendants. Uh, and it soon comes to light why they don't like that MC at all. And it all it all has to deal with Monty. Now at the age of 17, Monty got uh, was in a relationship with this girl and they got pregnant. And the the girl's parents, like, after she gave birth, made her give up the baby. So Monty became a single father at, like, at the age of 17. And his daughter was named Marilyn. Now, Marilyn, as she grew up, she became this more and more beautiful young woman. And when she was around 16 or 17, she caught the eye of a young man named Seth Riley. Now, Seth, Seth was the devil descendants president's son. Um, and they started dating. Monty didn't like it at all. And, and it took a little while before Marilyn realized that Seth was this very controlling asshole and she broke up with him and and Monty was talking Marilyn into going to this out-of-state college because he wanted Marilyn as 
far away as as she could be from this because you don't know what what Seth was going to do. He was a true wild card in this because his emotions were like kind of like all over the place almost. So it was the night before she was supposed to leave for college and she was out with friends and she disappeared. She was gone for a year. No one can find her. Um, they put up and the thing was Seth was also missing too. So, you know, he had something to do with this. So about a year later, she shows up at the bar. Um, she wouldn't tell anyone where she had been, only that she'd been with Seth. So a few months after she had come back, she had committed suicide by jumping off a bridge. And her note just said, I'm sorry. The police said there was like no evidence of any sort of wrongdoing in her death and with the disappearance. And, and so they just let that drop. But... The devil's descendants, they still terrorize Monty in the club every chance they fucking get. So, during this birth, so it's now Les's birthday party, and, and since she was run off the road, her bike was completely totaled. And what the club did was everyone pitched in money. And what the money that they pitched in, they got her a brand new bike and a helmet. And also, she became a club member and they gave her, I don't know if, I don't know if, if they called it a jacket or if they called it a cut. Um, it can go either way, I believe. One of the other members, I believe this guy's name was Amos. Um, he had, Amos had been friends with Monty for years and he gives Les uh, a box and he's just like, don't open it here. Open it when you're alone. When she does eventually open it, it turns out to be a gun. And she realizes, yeah, I get why you didn't want me to open it around the guys or anyone else. Because they would most likely throw a bitch fit. And when she when she goes inside, she also finds a letter addressed to her from um, her aunt's lawyers. And... So she goes, she, and she opens it and she goes to read it. Basically, this letter said, this letter from her aunt said that she was sorry that she wasn't strong enough to fight her demons to stay clean. And that she wished she could do everything differently, but unfortunately she can't. Also, she was supposed to tell us when she was younger, because her parents had wanted to tell her this, but they never got a chance to, and Shelly was supposed to, but she just couldn't do it, but um, that Les is adopted. And it says that the only that um, when she was adopted, that she was given her birth mother's name and that was that there was not to be any sort of contact at all between them. And she finds out that her mother's name is Marilyn Harris. That's Monty's daughter. I'm going to let that sink in for just another minute. 
And when she hears this, everything clicks. And she goes out to confront Monty because she realizes Monty knew the entire fucking time. She gets all like up in his face and just like, I look just like her, don't I? That's why you can't look at me in the face. That's why every time I say something about, about anything else, you get this look of, of just this like stricken look on your face. And she tells him, like, he's a coward for not telling her. And she storms off, hops on her bike, and leaves. After the bike ride and everything, she comes back. And she's kind of, like, wallowing um, in the house for three days. And so she finally goes to the bar. And she's going to talk to Monty. And it's there that she gets the full story of what had happened. So Seth had kidnapped Marilyn and held her for a year. And when she came back, she was pregnant. And with the help of Monty, she stayed hidden until the birth. And once Les was born, Marilyn said that she couldn't keep her because Seth could take Les away and who knows what could have happened then. And it broke Marilyn to know that she had no choice but to give up her daughter for her daughter's safety. And it was just a few days later that she had committed suicide. And in Marilyn's letter, it said, I'm sorry. If you ever find her again, tell her I loved her more than my life. Um, so Jenny had to be into court. Her husband's also a lawyer. He had to be into court. Um, Jude had to work, and Les is just like, yeah, I can watch him. So they go out for ice cream. So they're getting ready to leave when Seth comes up and kidnaps both of them in broad fucking daylight. And he's holding a gun to them as well. She tries to leave Sammy there so then he can be protected, go find someone for help. But Seth's just like, no, 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 no. Not fucking hearing it. And takes them both. Uh, he takes them to a cabin that's a few hours away. And on the inside she sees all these pictures of Marilyn. Some where like she doesn't know there's a camera on her. Like she's outside. She's smiling like you don't see it. And then others where um, she was beaten. And she was where she's... Um, Tied up naked and bruised. So she knows this is where Marilyn was held. Um, for the year that she um, had disappeared. Like she had been beaten here. She had been raped here. Les and Sammy, they're put into this bedroom. And they're left there until the next morning. Now Seth gets in. Gets in there. And um, she, she, some... Less somewhat has a plan of what she needs to do. And Seth is thinking that Les is Marilyn and that Sammy is their son. No idea what type of drugs he's on, but she's able she's able to kind of like fight it out. Like she tells Sammy, close your eyes, cover your ears. So she's able to like 
the fight and able to get the gun and she shoots Seth until she runs out of bullets. Now one of the shots is a headshot. She wasn't even aiming for his head. So she was just get a shot off to wherever I can to to get this guy in the ground. She didn't care. She wanted him dead. So she's able to get keys and phone and a phone from Seth's body, and she takes Sammy. They get to the SUV now. What she doesn't know is before she was able to get the gun from Seth, Seth rang out a shot. What she doesn't know is that shot hit her. So she was struck in the abdomen. And so she's, they get to the SUV and they take off. She calls 911 to kind of tell them kind of like whereabouts she is and, and what had happened. And soon she has to pull off to the side of the road because she's losing so much. She's lost so much blood at this point and she's starting to lose consciousness. So when she finally comes to, um, she's in a hospital. She, um, she was told that she had some surgery, that she's doing fine. Sammy's doing fine. He wasn't hurt at all. Um, everyone is praising Les and her heroics. Um, Jenny believes that Les now walks on water. And so this is when the doctor comes in. She goes like, everything's fine. Everything's looking good. And you're pregnant. And she, she, the doctor ends up asking the guys who the father is. And they all point to themselves. So the, and, and when it comes, and so finally the nine months are up. She's, she's now in labor and the doctor had given them all nicknames which is Daddy 1, Daddy 2, and Daddy 3. So the epilogue, there is an epilogue in this, and the epilogue is her giving birth. And she has this, she has a little girl who she names Morgan Marilyn Dean. Named after the mother who raised her and the mother who saved her. And that is the end of this book. Um, this, I, I have to say that when I first read this book, I wasn't entirely sure I would like it. Um, but it, it's, I, I can't tell you why I thought I wouldn't like it, but the more I read it, the more I'm just like, you know, on some of the, on, on some level, I can, I can see myself as this character. I can see her going through this loss. I can see her falling in love. I can see her doing this. Like, I'm just like, some of these things I have gone through myself. And for me, that is a great, great book. If you can see yourself as a character, if you can see, I've gone through that. I've like, that's happened to me. It, it's fan fucking tastic. And 
a lot of times, a lot of the books that we read, we don't have characters that are handicapped in some way. Whether it be um, having a prosthetic leg, a prosthetic arm, uh, in a wheelchair. We don't, we don't have a lot of book characters that are like that. And seeing that, it's just like, it, it's something that's not really talked about all that much. It's, it's like a lot of people are just like, oh, I, if I want to read something, like, the character has to be whole. No, the character doesn't have to be whole. That brings more personality to that character to see that they've overcome what had happened to them. And it's amazing. And literally five stars out of five for this. It is so goddamn good. I, like, no matter how many times I end up reading this book, it will always be, it will always be one of my favorites. Always. I have so many fucking favorites. It's, it, 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 it's impossible not to like this because it's so goddamn good. Like, there's absolutely nothing I would change about this at all. Like, sometimes when you're reading a book, you're just like, I would have done this differently. I would have wrote this scene like this. I would have just changed this a little bit. Just tweaked it. No. No. None of that for this. It is so perfect of how it is. And I, I do wish there would be... I know this is a standalone, but if... I kind of wish there was just like one more book added on to this to see what their lives were while raising this, raising their daughter to see if they had any more kids. It just, just something like, I just wish there's a little bit more, but it's fantastic as it is. So we are now going to pick our next book. So while I stir this around, I can tell you where you can find me. So you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Not Your Normal Books Podcast. Um, you can DM me any of the uh, any book suggestions, your thoughts and feelings, any questions you have for me regarding anything. Trust me, I will answer just about anything. Um, you can also email me all those at notyournormalbooks at gmail.com. Please also, if you could subscribe, rate, and review, I will be forever indebted to you. Um, I think that is it. So, not looking, not looking, piece of paper is gone. So, our next book or books is, yes, I fucking love this series. Sorry, I got really excited. Our next series is the Mindfuck series by S.T. Abbey. Now, this is five books. So fucking fantastic. I read this on the plane ride. Oh, my God. It is... Oh, you guys are in for a fucking treat. Oh, this is my all-time favorite favorite series. I swear to fucking God, like... 
anytime like I'm just like I'm just like I can't find anything to read I read this series over and over and over again I can't tell you how many times I read it I will still go back I will fucking read this over and over and over again it is so goddamn fantastic like I I'm totally fangirling right now and I'm okay with that <laughs> this is how much I fucking love this series so I will be back next week with the first book in the Mindfuck series. Oh, so excited.